Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Noisecast. Thanks again for rocking with us. It's Alberto here, your host, uh, holding you guys down. I'm flying solo. Expect to see Paul in the next episode, or expect to hear Paul in the next episode. In this episode, we get a chance to speak with Nick Minucha, Director of Product at Drobo and StoreCentric, to talk about data best practices and uh, the future of storage. As working creatives, we all understand the importance of having a robust and reliable backup system for all of our data. And in this episode, we got a chance to talk about uh, some best practices as well as what we can expect from Drobo and uh, store-centric. Without further interruption, here's this week's interview. I'm Nick Minocha. I'm the uh, Director of Products here at Store-Centric and Drobo. Uh, Store-Centric is the parent company of Drobo, Nexan, Retrospect, and Vexata. So in the Drobo side, we handle a lot of the SMB and consumer, um, and then and prosumer as well, obviously. And then for uh, Nexan, it handles a lot of the enterprise and then Vexata is high-end flash enterprise, and Retrospect is backup, which is a crucial uh, piece that we acquired last year uh, to try and kind of combine all the strengths of uh, software and storage. Awesome. Nick, thank you so much for taking the time um, on your day off, as I understand it. Um, <laughs> I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, this is always fun to talk about. You know, it, it's never, you know, we can make it more sexy and fun, so that's... You know, backup data is crucial to, to workflows. So we, we just want to make sure everyone's doing it right. Yeah. And so basically, you know, you just kind of jumped right into uh, what I was hoping to talk about today. Um, as a photographer, as a working photographer, you know, one of the biggest, uh, you know, the thing that keeps me up at night is the fear that one day I did not, um, I, I didn't back up that last gig um, as soon as I walked in, right? You know, it, it's one thing to put it on your computer, but um, as life has shown us, uh, it's not always the safest place to uh, to leave everything, right? Mm. Um, stuff happens. Um, what's one of the, the biggest uh, things that you've seen, at least from, uh, I guess, the hardware, software end of things? What are some of the things that people don't really understand about a proper backup? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it actually starts back when the smartphone actually got released even, right? We have, sometimes they say the best camera you have is the one you have with you. So I think that was a, a pivoting point in everyone's storage kind of uh, situation where, you know, the smartphone outgrew the standard storage capacity you would need besides the computers you have. Mm-hmm. So we used to back up things onto external drives, and that was enough because it backed up what was on our computers, but as we got into these DSLRs, like, you know, the Sony's now released their mirrorless series that are, you know, kind of kicked off like gangbusters. Um, but Sony and uh, so Canon and Nikon are also there, too, with their DSLRs. Now Canon just released their newest uh, mirrorless. But these megapixels are going up and up and up. Um, and now with 4K and 8K video, your storage is running out on your computers. So we started to take RAID for granted. So RAID is this, uh, you know, if you don't know, RAID is the redundant array of independent disks. So basically it's like a a bunch of external drives in one big box. So then we started storing things on that external box and thinking that was the safe and catch-all. But, you know, it's the industry uh, kind of thing you have to remember is, you know, hard drives are like light bulbs. It's not a question of if they'll go out, it's when. Mm -hmm. So even though RAID is a great format to be, you know, a a primary working drive, but it's not actually data protection. 
So that's the biggest thing I think that people forget is you're storing data on a server like a Drobo or any other product out there um, and then not having another secondary copy of that anywhere else. So that's the biggest thing people realize is, you know, let's say a, a drive fails, you know, in Drobo, you can have up to true drives filled with no data, protect, uh, no data loss as long as you have dual disk uh, protection set. Yeah. Uh, now, the amount of people who do that is really rare because you do uh, kind of hinder some performance value for going to dual disk redundancy. Now, a better practice that I always like to practice with my photos is when I'm working on my primary drive, either the 5D3 originally and now the 8D, mm-hmm. which is the 8 bay. I work on all my uh, working files there when I'm editing. And once I'm, because that's Thunderbolt 3 speeds, obviously, so we're getting the best on a Mac right. that we can. So using like Lightroom or Photoshop, um, you know, any kind of editing tools we're using, it's great to get that working drive running fast. But then I always back it up to a B810N or anything else for archiving backup storage. So when you ask me, do I have two copies of my data? I can assure you, I always have two copies of my data no matter where they're at. And especially some of our ambassadors too, they, they work the exact same way. Um, you know, they can't afford to have any of their photos lost if a client comes back to them and says, hey, I need this photo shoot uh, from, you know, maybe two years back. I, I know we have one photographer ambassador that keeps all his photos since the day he started. So, you know, he, he takes his he takes his photography very seriously and never wants a, a customer to ever lose a shot at all. Right, right. And I think that's really what it is, right? Because these are things that... Um, well, I think we take it for granted because we we have our cell phones. We're we're taking more pictures than ever, but you know, uh, where are they going? You know, right. how are we going to get them back? Uh, I know, uh, unfortunately, there have been um, situations where, in my personal life and my family life, uh, you know, we've had uh, family members uh, pass away, and we're trying to you know yeah. get five different people within the family. Like, Hey, do you have, do you have that picture of that, you know, that barbecue where we were all outside and, and sometimes, you know, the answer is no, like that was two phones back. You know, that was, that was like a a three computer, three computers ago and a a different camera like format change. So, um, you know, I think that's one of the things that we, we have to think about, like uh, back in the film days, you know, there was a time where we would archive everything, right? Like if you were serious right, about absolutely. photography, you know, you made sure you, you were protecting you, um, the images you took. I, I think um, one of the things that, that I guess from a consumer standpoint, people aren't recognizing is that we've somehow moved away from that, assuming that these things, you know, as convenient as they are, are going to continue to work just, you know, without fail. Yeah. That's a great point. I mean, I I think we've all gone through that, like you said, right? If whether it's a family moment, uh, you know, it's a sad case when we lose a family member and then we are digging for those things. Um, There's a lot of software now that that can actually, you know, with facial recognition, things like that, kind of organize that for us. And and that's some of the future looking stuff that we kind of want to get into. And, you know, even with Apple, if you look at, you know, what they've done in their software, even with photos, it used to be amazing where it could do the facial detection for you. Uh, Now Apple's getting a little bit away from their software and leaving Adobe to kind of manage everything else. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of internet-based companies that are also now doing, while you you catalog everything to the cloud, it's still doing the facial recognition stuff. Now it's not to a point where Apple was, but these are kind of the things with, like Drobo, at least we have the uh, Pix app. 
So on a network device, so like a 5N2 or B810N, uh, when you get to your home network, so I have my 5N2 at home. So as soon as I come to my home network, all my photos I've taken on any of my mobile device start syncing to the uh, library there. And I've all my family have access to that those shares. So basically, if we're ever looking for something, we can look at it by month or year and then really narrow down for where we're going. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot more improvements we can do in that area in discovery. And I think search along with uh, storage have to come hand in hand. And, and that's something I, I think – like you said, right, it's it's finding those moments, those priceless moments that uh, we want to share with our family and friends. Right, right. You know, it, it's uh, interesting that you talk about, like, just kind of, I guess, what the future of, um, you know, data storage is. Because I think a lot of people assume that things like um, AI and kind of like um, machine learning to kind of, you know, take all these bits and turn them into something that's tangible. I think people assume that it's something that only exists, exists like in the cloud or kind of an enterprise level. Um, You know, how do you see, you know, the future of that, like more like, I guess, um, on the street um, type technology? Is it, is it just something limited to, um, you know, the way we, we back up our, our videos and and photos, or is it something bigger? I I think for now, like any other technology as it released, it, it, it is for the upper markets and the enterprise database centers. But as the pricing comes down, it goes consumer facing so fast. I mean, if we look back 10 years from uh, 10 years ago, we couldn't do, you know, nearly half the stuff or more that we could do today, even in terms of cloud backup and cloud storage. I mean, uh, we're, we're just, we're making leaps and bounds every year uh, that the price comes down on technology, including storage fees. I mean, the one thing about cloud, I would say, over on-premise uh, or on-prem storage, is you you know that fixed cost versus when you go to cloud, it's a variable cost that is constantly expanding because as your terabytes you know go up, you're going to be storing that somewhere elsewhere as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as the price comes down on there, I think we we come to more you know graspable graspable and um, achievable rates for a consumer-based company or home or even a small business or a small photography studio to be able to afford, you know, backing up not only to an external source, but also to the cloud as well as a third kind of tier of backup form. But then the other thing you have to keep thinking about is a lot of people don't know this, but when crash plan for backups went down for the consumer-facing side, um, a lot of people found out that they had to pay, you know, egress and ingress charges to get their data back from the cloud. Now, that's one of the reasons we think a prem backup or on-premise backup is also vitally important, because your ISP, your internet service provider, will also block certain amount of bandwidth that you can download back from the cloud. So, you know, let's say if the uh, the house or the in this point cash crash plan was going out of business for their private and personal stuff. They were giving customers sometimes only three months to get all the data back, and they just couldn't pull it back fast enough. Right. So in some cases, customers did lose a lot of data. Right. And and that's you know it's interesting that that you you mentioned that because I you know one of the things that I think um, again it's just a matter of I feel um, you know we're always constantly like me personally like I am afraid to really commit to any one service. For those reasons, you know, like I, I yeah. have data all over the place and, right. you know, I've learned that that's not also, that's not a really good solution either because, you know, some of the things I have are in OneDrive, in Google Drive, you know, some of the stuff lives in my iCloud drive. You know, how do we find something that 
um, just fits for both personal or right. business, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, that's the, that's the big gap. I mean, I think this is something that a lot of companies haven't focused on really. And it's not due to not caring about it or not trying about it, but all of this technology came so fast to us and we're kind of using as much of the free space on all these platforms and forms of backup. Like I as well use, sometimes use Google photos on my iPhone. Mm-hmm. Now you might think, why, why would I use Google photos? Well, they're doing the full, you know, no compression, just keeping the whole high res image. Now you got to understand there, there's going to be a breaking point for that too. I'm sure that Google can't just keep managing that. I know they're making monies in many other money in many other ways, but you know, there's going to be a point where you, we have to be careful about that too and trusting everything to one source like you were saying as well. Um, and that, that's kind of where we're thinking ahead and kind of next line of products. What can we do about the situation? Like, how do you also find these files now that, you know, they're in Dropbox, one uh, OneDrive? I mean, it, it it is a storage nightmare sometimes when we, we don't push these pieces together. And that's something we're really taking a step back with, you know, planning for our next platform line is really thinking of people's workflows and what's really happened over the last decade. You know, uh, a, a decade ago, Drobo really started up and, you know, having Beyond Raid and that technology of being able to mix and match drive sets was kind of revolutionary for a server and a RAID. Mm-hmm. And so now on this next decade forward, that's kind of what we're looking at now is how's the landscape changed in terms of storage? Now we have a bunch of cloud-based providers. Um, we have hardware speeds that we can achieve that we never could dream of before on a NAS. Um, it, it's all these things that we're, we're looking at. And it's how do we tell that better story with easing people's workflows and being able to find the files, no matter what platform it is, mm. you know, having a single pane of glass to find all your files is going to be the vital move going forward. Yeah. Without a doubt. I think, um, especially for, for working pros, you know, if you're not, yeah. um, if you're not like an enterprise business where you have teams of people who are managing this for you, you know, again, myself, uh, I'm a freelancer. I do this, uh, when I can, and I am my it support. I am you know, my, my CISO. I, I am all these different things. And, you know, it, it can, it can really get away from you very quickly. You know, uh, it's, it's nuts. Um, I, I'm just curious, like, so, you know, the hardware portion of it, you know, what are, what are some of the things that like, if you had to just kind of rattle off a few, you know, do's and don'ts, you know, on, on the hardware side of it, uh, what are some of the things that you, you think, um, are beneficial to kind of like that small business, uh, independent person, you know, independent worker, um, set up? Well, I think the biggest thing is the, the storage you per, you choose and, and pick has to be easy to use beyond anything else. Like that is the most pivotal thing, right? You don't want to be sitting there becoming your, like you said, an IT professional. I mean, the point of creatives wanting to do their workflows is they're so creative in what they shoot. Uh, I like to dabble a lot. So I, I, I kind of play around when I can and I shoot with a Canon myself. So I think the biggest thing for me is ease of the platform. And then the hardware stuff comes right after that. You know, you want to make sure you've got the speed you want. So when you're direct editing, yeah, Thunderbolt 3 right now is is probably one of the best things, a dedicated DAS, you know, that really is connected to your machine. And it is a working drive. And it can handle large projects. Uh, you know, our 
8D uh, goes up to 128 terabytes of space. And for a little bit less than a budget, um, a, 5N, a 5D3 goes for about you know, 699, and you're getting 5Bs at 64 terabytes of, of total usable space. So those are two things. Like you, know, you want speed of the actual processors and the units, and then the capacity, and then the ease of how to change out drives. I mean, Drobo's main principle is, you know, not to make anyone an IT specialist, but do a three-light system. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're if you say green across all your drive bays, you know your Drobo's good, right? And you don't have to manage it. And then yellow, you know, it simulates, you know, either a drive is running out of storage space, or there could be some issue on that drive. Um, and then red, either the drive is dead or is going out. Um, and so we made it very simple. When you remove the mag- magnetic lid from the front, the manuals are on the back that just explain what the lights do. Mm-hmm. So, and then the other thing we, we tried to do is make it completely toolless. You don't have to grab a screwdriver when you're removing a drives. You know, you just have to push the ejector tray and pull out a drive and push one right back in. Mm-hmm. So those are things that ease your workflow uh, beyond anything else. And then remembering to have a backup. I, I won't, you know, that I'll stress the most. A lot of people tell me, you know, oh, yeah, I have a backup. I have my Drobo. And I'm like, well, do you have two Drobos? And uh, no one really gets that sometimes. That They think that, you know, because the redundancy of the drives, that their data is protected. Well, you know, the data in that drives are protected against a drive failure. But what happens if you have two or three simultaneous drive failures? Right. Now you have a potential for data loss. And that's that's what we try and explain to people a lot is – that light bulb theory again, when you plug in the bulb, the bulbs at the same time, it's, they usually go out around the same time too. So you're increasing your risk uh, when you, when you do that. Yeah. So, you know, remembering small rules, like always replacing uh, when you go to larger drives, always replace with two larger drives. So your redundant capacity will always take the uh, hold of the drive. So let's say you're working with six terabyte drives you want to upgrade to a 12 or a 16 terabyte drive, we always recommend you go two 16s or two 12s for that bigger because they always provide you the redundancy for the overflow of uh, capacity used. Right, right. Uh, and then you're going to store. So that that's basically the most complex thing on a Drobo to remember. And then the blue lights on the bottom or on the side, depending if you're on a 5-bay or an 8-bay, is just showing you your capacity. So making sure you're under 80% for optimal kind of speed and performance that's really all you have to really worry about uh, besides a few light cleanings here with the dust and the fan, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, the the Drobos are, I think, one of the easiest to use servers in, on the, the the market right now and just very user-friendly. Yeah, it's something that I can appreciate. Um, I, I, do, um, I do recall a, a while back I did um, – I did review one of the Drobo units, one of the earlier Drobo units, and it was one of those things where it just made so much sense. Um, you know, I I was uh, I, I was trying to like you know follow forums and build my own kind of like yeah. as situation, and it never never worked the way it was supposed to. It was frustrating, yeah. you know, and it was just like just believe it or not, like it's one of those things where it's just like I there's a reason why um, you know grocery home delivery is so popular now you don't have the time to to spend you know at a you know trying to figure one thing out when you can find something that is pretty much ready out the box and i will say that from my past experience with using a durable product it is pretty much ready out the box um yeah now so just to kind of pivot a little bit um you know we talked a lot about you know um the cloud and Mm-hmm. Do you think um, 
you know, you did mention that there are, you guys are looking into some of those things. You know, what do you see like the future of, of storage looking like? Well, that's an interesting story, right? I mean, we see that cloud can't manage everything that hardware can right now, still on in-premise on device. With cloud, you still have the latencies and, you know, we have problems, we have mobile devices, we're trying to access them over you know, LTE networks, 4G, you know, 5G now coming. Um there's still going to be some time before you can go to an all-cloud model. Now, we've just been growing leaps and bounds in terms of technology, so is that five years out or 10 years out? That That's yet to be seen. But we do see in the short-term future that a hybrid solution is going to be highly the way you really want to have a model going for yourselves. We still, to this day, encourage you know having two forms of backup, you know, one on-site, one off-site, and having a cloud-based backup. Because you never know what will happen, and you know, even here in, in California, we've had wildfires. Uh, we also are, you know, deemed for earthquakes and things like that. So you never know what can really happen. Um, you know, and, and these are things that you know, insurance can can make your whole on tech term, in terms of the loss of technology. But in terms of loss of content, that's that's like priceless. There's no money you can put on that. Right, and that's why cloud makes sense to a point. But I think in this hybrid model, as we go forward. It's going to be more used for our recent folders and things that we're working on at that moment or need at a, at a glance or at, you know, when a client asks us for it or when we're working on things or when we're collaborating with other companies or, you know, like let's say it's a client or a customer, you know, you'll, you'll have some sort of models where you're going to need both. And, um, you know, when your premise device is not, but when you're, editing on-premise devices, I don't think you really want to use the cloud for editing. I mean, I think on, as we've seen with Adobe um, doing their software and apps on iPhone, it's good for lightweight things, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to a real like 4K or 8K workflow, you're still going to want to reuse your on-premise device and on-premise server to actually do that edit. Uh, That's just a much easier way. But if you're in a bind, sure, you can probably get by with mobile, but I don't think we're at that precipice of turning to all cloud yet yeah no i definitely hear you um you know it's uh i i've been using the um uh the adobe um mobile products and it's one of those things where i love the idea you know the idea of like leaving behind your your laptop you know because when you're talking about any kind of like a workstation laptop even if it is you know a, a 16 inch macbook pro like that right. stuff gets heavy, you know, <laughs> you know, because yeah. you know, it, it's yeah. that plus your equipment, you know, and, but, you know, I totally hear you. It's just like, it does, it does the light stuff very, very well, very, very fluidly. I, it's just, I found that anything beyond that, it's you're, you're begging to get back home and, you know, right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? I mean, you want simplicity, you don't want frustration on your Mac. You don't want to see that beach ball while you're editing photos it already is a grueling process when you're sitting there and you have to edit a whole day shoot and you're like sitting there and you're grabbing your, your loop and you're looking at a picture really close up and you're waiting for that beach ball to go. That that's just extremely frustrating. That's why I think uh, even as an amateur photographer myself, the pros would probably go even crazier than I'm going because they're probably shooting much more high fidelity shots and, you know, they're playing a lot more with it. For me, I've been trying to force myself actually on my mobile platform uh, to take a photo a day on my iPhone, mm-hmm. um, and just just showing the gap between the DSLRs and the mobile uh, phones, just getting so close together, uh, it's still obviously not a DSLR quality, but 
edits I do, I try and actually only edit on my iPhone's camera app itself and stay away from Lightroom Photoshop just because it's a little bit quicker. Right, right. So yeah, I'm not getting the optimal shot, but uh, that's why I think, you know, cloud is good for to a point. And um, the real editing I do is on my Mac Pro at home, and that's connected to like a 5D3 or, or my 8D. And and that's where I'm doing my primary editing. Right. Yeah. No. It, it's you know that that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And you know I I think um you know I think we we all want to like kind of fast forward to like where the world li- looks more like Star Trek, where things right. are kind of happening automatically. You never worried about you know where it's living, right. where it's sitting. But you know, like you mentioned, it's just we're we're not quite there yet. It's something that you know I personally would would love to see us get to at least. Um, uh, at least in my lifetime, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but I, I think, um, there's some really interesting things that are, that are happening. Um, yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, just, just, uh, just a last question. Like, you know, if you had a, you, so you do some shooting yourself, you know, you do some editing, yeah. um, you know, do you think, um, well, uh, let me phrase it like this. Right now, with the the hardware that that Drobo is making, um, would you say th- we are ready to start seeing like these eight K setups that a lot of uh, companies are teasing? Is is this uh, doable today? Doable in the sense that yeah, um, if you want to spend a few thousand dollars and get some really high end device box out there, sure. Um, how many people are actually really really doing eight K on? a separate box versus the native flash in their computer, which they're storing more drives in now and then moving it off later. That's probably the predominant kind of workflow you see. And those people are buying those new Mac pros now that, you know, start at seven K. Right. So <laughs> I think there's a, there's a big gap for the 4k guy to the AK guy. Right. Um, on, on most of the drones out there are all 4k right now too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't we really got to AK drones yet. Uh, I think, we're still a few years out from this. Uh, I know we already started to look at 8K, workclo- 8K workflows. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely something that everyone should be thinking about if you're in a storage uh, company. It's definitely coming right around the corner because you know even our TVs, you're starting to hear the 8K names being dropped at CES and things like that. So it's definitely should be something that is in your product portfolio or thought of your product portfolio going forward right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you we're exploring a lot of these things. Uh, right now, 4K and 1080p are still the most dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing a lot of people doing 4K workflows without a without you know any problem. Uh, we have some brand ambassadors that do uh, some travel video uh, sessions. So they work with uh, Red Products and they're shooting on really high fidelity, really high you know HD quality. And um, their their primary product for use of editing are Drobos, so they are using them to do everything to get it done. Awesome, awesome. Um, well, you know, I think you know. Again, I, I promised you a short interview, and I realized that I'm keeping you on a, a bit. Um, Nick, is there anything that you would like to let people know, either about uh, the Drobo or um, any future plans? You know, I'll open up the floor to you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the one thing that, you know, we've really focused on, especially in the last two years of Drobo, is working with the uh, parent company, SourceCentric, and really tying this message together of really taking us from megabyte to almost petabyte to zettabyte, and really building a storage company, which no one else has really done yet in the industry, 
of trying to make sure we cover the whole storage gambit from you from being a prosumer all the way up to an enterprise class, you know, utility that you need to use. And we plan to go even further on that message of kind of unifying all these platforms. So as you grow with us, we will also be able to grow with you. So, and simplicity is one of those big keys. And that single pane of glass that we were talking about at ease, we think we can get even easier than what our box is today. And that's what our focus is for the future, is to kind of make sure that we ease everyone's workflows, Mm -hmm. especially the creatives, which kind of got us our founding and what people know us for. That's definitely one of our big markets still, especially in the Drobo line. And um, we talk to our ambassadors daily. So we're working for the next gen of, of platforms to make sure we're taking account for all types of workflows, from videography to photography to even music. Um, we're going all throughout all the different creative stuff, including SMB and enterprise. So we want to really make focus on building really good products with great software in the back end and even hybrid solutions coming up pretty soon. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you guys really have a full, um, you know, you guys are covering the full spectrum, you know, for in terms of needs and in terms of like uh, data storage. So, you know, we're, we'll be on the lookout for um, any future announcements, especially um, in the realm of the hybrid data storage. So very exciting stuff. Nick, thank you so much for taking the time this afternoon. I really appreciate you um, jumping on this call. Thanks again for checking us out this week. We hope you enjoyed this interview and this week's episode. As always, you can find us on social media. We're at Noisecast on Facebook and Twitter. You can also find us on Instagram at The Noisecast. Uh, Paul is not here with us again, but, you know, be sure to check him out on Twitter. He is at Combs Paul and I am at Al underscore W-R-I-T-E. Thanks for checking us out. As always, we appreciate your listens. We appreciate your time. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with someone. We can be found uh, at the Noise Ca- the Noisecast podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, as well as Podbean. You can also check us out on our website, thenoisecast.com. And we are also on Patreon. Yes, we are hitting you up for them dollars to keep us going and uh, moving forward. You can find us at patreon.com slash the noisecast. Thank you. Thank you for all your time. And we really appreciate you checking us out every week. Peace.